You are listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Millis-Nell. During these podcasts, we'll be exploring all of the different opportunities that we get to seize the day on a daily basis and what tools and what changes we can make in order to grab those goals. Are you ready to make change? Hello, podcast lovers. How are you all? I'm Natalie and you are listening to Seize the Day. Now, I have got a lovely show coming up for you. I've got a wonderful guest on. Her name is Joanne Lockwood. She is the founder of and CEO of Sea Change Happen, an equality, diversity and inclusion practice specialising in providing transgender awareness and support to organisations and businesses. Her mantra is smile, engage and educate. I love that. And she, is pa- and she passionately believes that people are people and no matter who they are, they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Please put your hands together for the very wonderful Joanne Lockwood. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Oh, what a build up. Thank you very much. Oh, it is so lovely to have you on. How are you? I'm really good. I mean, where are we? So end of June. Um, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's end of June, July tomorrow. So yeah, yeah no, it's I feel like I've been sat in this chair for like four months and not moved. You know, I've got a, I've sort of rooted, and uh, my world is now this big, and it's it's it's, it's yeah. But no, I'm I'm happy. I'm smiling. Uh, um, I had my pity party at, uh, in March, where all my business disappeared down the drain overnight. I flew to Newcastle, and Manchester on the Monday. Uh, flew to Newcastle on the Monday, hopped over to Amsterdam. By the time I came back on the Friday. Um, I didn't get the memo while I was away. You know, I landed back on the on the Friday the thirteenth, and and everything had changed. We're suddenly we're we're virus central, and uh, yeah, it's you know all, it all changed. We, we should come on to that actually, because I think that's a great topic in terms of how people have overcome and transitioned in the what is it, is it three months now that we've been through in this very unusual world. March, April, May, June. Yeah, so four months. Four months. Yeah, and, yeah. Four, four. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, four months. It's, and everything literally fell off a cliff for a lot of people. Um, so you're based in London, but you know you are London, are you? Sorry, I've, I've made that. Uh, no, Portsmouth on the south coast. Are yeah, you? on the south. Yeah, yeah. Sunny Portsmouth. Well, actually, t- ten miles north of Portsmouth. Yeah. How lovely! Get down to the beach. We we, we keep away from it because uh, you see it on telly, and there's too many, uh, too many people just proud in the place. It's no, it's no fun, and it's. We'd rather go for a walk in the countryside, and uh, we have been to the beach a few times. It's not too bad, but the last few weeks it's been just too crowded. Too so crowded. it's not worth it. No, I yeah. get that. Now, your bio and what I just read out there is actually quite spectacular. I think in terms of an inspirational story and your journey. And we spoke off air just a bit before now, before recording. It all started for you in 2017, 2017, in terms of major change. Now, for the listener who's not particularly or might not be familiar with your story, are you okay just to talk through very briefly what changed for you around that time? And then what would be great if we can branch into how you deal with overcoming things in your life and moving forward and and how we all seize the day, I suppose, and, and moments that we celebrate and, you know, our achievements in terms of what we do in life. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. I mean, the headline, I guess, is that uh, I, I gender transitioned. Um, assigned male at birth, living for 95% of my life uh, as, a, as a male person. I made the decision to, uh, to transition uh, early 2017, I think it was, having first announced the world uh, mid-2016. 
Uh, and if that wasn't enough, I, I exited the business I'd owned and run for 25 odd years and started afresh. So I ran an IT company. I've, I've been in IT all my life. Lots of stability, 20 odd staff, over a million turnover. I think I picked at 3 million one year, so we turned over a lot of money. Wow. And I was, a, I was an IT expert for, for 25, 30 years of my life. And I, so I, I parked not only my gender uh, and my IT career, my business, parked that. And I often say I, I put it in a blender <laughs> all my life in a blender. And I forgot to put the lid on. And so when I pushed the button, it ended up over the walls. So then I had, to, I, had to, I had to scrape my life back off the walls and try and make it, make it work again. So, yeah, I think many people would say gender transitioning is, is a challenge in its own, but starting a, starting a new career in a new sector with a new set of people around me uh, was also quite a, quite a challenge, yeah. And take my family, my wife, my two children on this journey, and my close friends, and earn a living. So yeah, that's the kind of the enormity of the challenge I faced, I suppose. Do you know, I mean, obviously, there is a, a huge story there. And I, I, we, we don't, we're not going to go into it in too much detail, because actually, I want to celebrate what you've achieved in this journey, for, you know, from 2017. Because it's been, I think it's amazing. My eyes almost, they're, they're welling up with kind of excitement and well, just a level of respect in terms of what an individual can achieve. Because as you say, the transgender side of things and, you know, that kind of transition is enormous in itself. But to then change your career, you know, into doing something else all at the same time, that's enormous. So you come across as an incredibly confident woman. How do you do that? Or how did you come to do that? And then also, I mean... You present, you educate, you're talking to businesses about the importance of diversity and inclusion. How did you get yourself into that? Yes, yeah, good question. I, I, it's like many things. When, you, when you're doing it, you don't feel you're making any progress. You almost like feel that like you're just treading water because uh, that's one of the things I learned. But I look back on three years ago and where I was to where I am now, and I could, I, I could now recognize the change in me. But on a, on a day-by-day increment, it's really hard to see your, see your change. Um, and also, time is a great healer, not just for other people, but also yourself. Some of the pain and anguish you go through uh, over time diminishes. And it's, it's sometimes hard to hang on to those emotions of torment and dark times. That I, I, I had a lot of dark times. And I'll, I'll cover those in a sec. And now I look back on those and it's, it's such a distant echo that I, I almost don't recognize myself. And if I hadn't have written some blog articles at the time, which occasionally I, I trip over and read them again. And my wife and I also took part in a Channel 4 documentary called The Making of Me. So that, that did document three years of our life. Uh, it's still available on Channel 4 if you search The Making of Me. That documents a whole part of our life. Okay. Uh, so I watched that back the other day and I, I almost burst into tears watching that back because it reminded me of those emotions I had at the time, that without that 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 documentary process, I would have been lost. But if, if I go back to, I don't know, do that old Scooby Doo thing, we go, the time goes wobbly. Yeah. It doesn't work well on a podcast. That move. so let me wave my arms around on a podcast. It doesn't doesn't work. I wish I got that on camera. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's that Scooby Doo moment where time wobbles back, and you, and you cast your mind back three or four years. I got to the point where I, I kind of considered my 
whatever's going on in my life, I was kind of going a bit moldy. I was going past my shelf life. The I'd run this business for 25 years. I I had my own businesses before that, and then I merged with uh, two business partners, two shareholders. And for, I don't know what it was, about 10 years ago, I just ceased to start really enjoy it. it just it wasn't fulfilling me. I, I didn't have any passion for it. It, just, it, it, it was becoming just a job. And then as I approached my, my, my late 40s, the children left home, um, I had built up some financial pressures, some financial worries, which were becoming an increasing burden. And I'd always realized from a very early age that I was, there was something in my head that wasn't quite right. Yeah, what I saw in the mirror wasn't who I was in the inside. I, I couldn't put any description on that or any language behind it. So it got to about 2015, 2016, where the powder keg blew. I couldn't, I couldn't put the box back together again. The, I describe it as pushing a snowball around the garden, then eventually you tip it over the edge and it goes thundering down the hill, gathering momentum and bigger and bigger and bigger and just crashes through all the fences and it just makes a mess. So it got to that point where I just couldn't hold this back. So whether it was my business causing me frustration, whether it was my gender identity causing me frustration, my financial pressures, challenges of the family, the whole thing just became this powder keg. And I felt like I was drowning, chains pulling me down. Yeah, okay, well, that's the analogy I use. I felt like I had these weights pulling me under the water, drowning me. And I set about you know, like unlocking, cutting, breaking the chains. And the first challenge was telling my wife, um, which I did actually about four or five years beforehand. So in 2012, 2013, we first started talking about it. But it wasn't real. It was just something in the background. But by mid-2016, I was prepared to walk away from my business. I was so disenfranchised with it. So not, it wasn't for me. My gender identity got to the point where I couldn't hold it back. And that culminated in a, a bit of a full and frank chat with my children who, um, they didn't take it badly, but they, they didn't embrace it. And they still don't fully embrace it. It's not, not something they're really comfortable with. But I decided to, to mix some Prosecco with Facebook and outed myself to the world one night after having a few too many, few too many Proseccos. And that was kind of the opening the box. And I, I woke up in the morning and realized that I had to own this. I couldn't just, yeah, I couldn't open the box and close it again. I, had, I Now it was open, I had to own it. But that was still six months before I told my business that I wanted out. I was fortunate that my business partners offered to buy me out. And I jumped at the chance that they were quite surprised that I was so keen. Uh, so we did the deal. Uh, and that resulted on the 1st of March, 2017. And I often tell the story. I woke up in bed that morning and I, I didn't know who I was. Yeah. I'd, I, I'd, lost, I'd lost my entire identity. I, I was a business owner, a, a shareholder in a business that had a, a reasonable, reasonable monthly income uh, that most people would be very happy with, to, to having no staff, no responsibilities, no purpose, no career. I'd signed a non-compete, so I couldn't do any IT anymore. Um, although I had already decided I didn't want to do IT, right. but it was kind of pretty final. I was faced with the prospect of going forward, not knowing what name to use, because again, that's a complicated story in its own right. Yeah. Because the name I the, the name I use now, Joanne Lockwood, is nothing like my birth name. It, my, both my surname and forename have changed for various reasons, uh, which confuses my wife because she's she acquired my my birth surname oh, through marriage okay. and, and i've changed my and i changed my my surname to be lockwood which is not the same as hers anymore so so there's a whole load of dynamics so there i was on the first of march thinking 
I, I didn't want to go back to my old name. Um, I, 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 I've been identifying as Joanne Lockwood. That was my name for the past three or four years. I couldn't think of a hybrid that I wanted to use with my, my male surname, and I just wasn't happy with it. So I just that was holding me back. You know, the, the thought of having my passport, my driving license, and all my identity changed was causing me confusion because I didn't know how my wife was going to take it. So I was, I was trying to be this really do this really selfish thing for me because I say it's selfish because I wasn't doing it for anybody else. So therefore, by definition, it's selfish. And I was trying to be the least selfish I could by considering everyone else's feelings. So the, to change my change my name, my passport, and things was a big deal. So the day I did it. I could almost feel my wife, it's almost like a part of her died or a part of us died, that something had gone. And that was a real struggle because it was a real, real challenge those then. There was a lot of arguing, a lot of upset, a lot of discussions and talking and drunk conversations and and will it work, will it won't work, are we going to make this, are we going to carry on? I just, by the way, we, we are still together. We're celebrating our 33rd wedding anniversary this year, so don't, I don't, I don't want to give you Congratulations, yeah. I don't, I don't want the whole story to be about my wife and I, but this is about, yeah, season of the day. But yeah, so that was a real challenge. So I was there, 1st of March, really struggling to get out of bed because I, I, I didn't know how I was going to go forward. I was determined not to paint myself in another corner. I couldn't not work, even though I, I, I'd received a payout for my shares. It wasn't a lottery win. It was kind of a, a big redundancy payment. So I knew within 18 months, two years, I had to earn another earn a living. Um, or, or I would... Uh, I go crash. So yeah, it was a real tricky. So I, I had to make the decision on change my name. So renaming my LinkedIn profile as a biggie. But, um, I thought about applying for some roles, some contract interim roles. And the first line on the CV is name. What's your name? First line on any application form is name. Such a simple concept or simple thing for most. But when you're going through, wow, sorry, Joe, please carry on. No, 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 it's, it's complete. And uh, so I didn't want my wife to feel she had no say in things because we're apart, you know, it's, marriage is a contract. I don't mean that in a clinical way, but it is an agreement between two people who love each other. So just, just to sort of be completely selfish and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. You've got no choice in this. It's not who I am. And I, I want her to feel that she had as much choice in everything as I had. Okay, she had no choice in my name as such, but I did talk to her about what different options she said was up to you. But I didn't want her to feel that I was bullying her, coercing her, or, 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 or doing anything that she would feel I was controlling her. She had freedom of choice, and she had freedom of choice to stay with me or freedom of choice to leave with me. And I, we both agreed that whatever route we chose, we'd do it together. So if she was going to leave, she'd do it to, we'd, we'd work out together. If she was going to stay, we'd work out together. So that was kind of the agreement. But we both sat down one day and... We still say this now, and it's about being together forever. You know, if we have an argument, we have a disagreement. We always we always resolve it by saying, "I still want to be with you forever and be together forever." And we both keep asking ourselves that on and often. It, that that is our long term horizon goal. Whatever happens, be together forever is what, is what we're trying to get back to. Now, and we both have the agreement. If we ever feel that's no longer true, then we'll say, be open about that and say, "I don't feel that way anymore." So three, three and a half years down the line, we're still saying it, and neither of us feel that's ever going to change. I think we've got over the hard bit. We're now back to arguing about <laughs> breakfast cereal and toilet <laughs> rolls and, uh, and the dishwasher. <laughs> and dishwasher, yeah, that kind of yeah, back to the normal, normal stuff. So, uh, so after thirty-three years of marriage, I think I think we're probably going to make it. I hope. So anyway, yeah. So I'll go back to the sort of that that dark time. So 
changing my name was a real real challenge for me. But the other thing was, I I used to do a lot of public speaking. I was a a, a, a member of a club called the Round Table, which is a, a male organisation, uh, all throughout the world, throughout the UK. And I was the national president in 2008-2009. So I used to hack around the country in black tie, lounge suit, speaking after dinner at meetings, you know, cut the ribbon, kiss the baby type stuff, um, village fairs, wherever around tables organised. I, I used to go, yeah, be the secretary. I was even the clan chieftain at Highland Games in Calendar in Scotland once. I had the sword and the shield and I was opening the, I opened the Highland Games and I judged the competitions and things. It was a, and, and awarded all the trophies. So that, so I was quite used to being in the public eye, quite used to speaking. I'd done a few TV and radio interviews through my job and through Roundtable. But what I couldn't get my head around was could I be taken seriously in a dress? Yeah, I could stand there in a suit, in a yeah. dicky bow. But could I stand on stage in front of people and with my, with my voice, you know, I'm not, I've decided not to change my voice and be taken, well, not only could I be taken seriously by the audience, could I take myself seriously? Could I believe in myself that I had a message, I had a thing? Uh, and that was a, that was a real dilemma. Um, and I remember during that dark period around April, well, February, March, April, May, 2017, a friend of mine came around and I don't know if he came around off his own bat or whether Marie, my wife, had called him and said, look, you need to, you need to come around here. Joe's basically can't get out of bed, spends all her time crying and <laughs> rocking backwards and forwards and, and uh, being very, very, Aww. very dark. And he came around and we had this chat. And he was talking about how he's doing this. Uh, it's a mentoring program, a uh, business mentoring program, how, how he's had these sessions. He was telling me about the sessions he had and the modules he was doing and talking me through how, what he'd learned, which in a way was a way... I don't know if it was intended that way, but it kind of coached me in what he was doing. And, and as he did that, my business brain kicked back in and went, okay, so I'm in business. What do business people do? Well, business people have a business plan. They, have a, they do this. They have customers. They, they have a product. They know what they're going to sell. They, they have an outcome. So suddenly I thought, that's what I need. I need. I need a plan. I just need a business plan. And into that business plan, I kind of put my life into it as well. So I have to make a decision. Right, first decision, name. Right, name done. Um, right, I'm going to do a business. What am I going to do? I, I, thought, I thought about cybersecurity. I thought about GDPR, because GDPR was hot at the time. And I thought about doing DNI training. And I thought, I looked at the options and thought, cybersecurity. Oh, God, that's so boring. Um, I've been doing <laughs> IT for years. So I, I, so I didn't fancy cybersecurity. But I was already to invest £10,000 in a cybersecurity professional training course and the whole program. I was, I was going to invest in it. I was kind of like, minutes away from pushing the the button on oh, on, on wow. the website to apply and then i then i looked at gdpr and i thought oh that's even more boring than cyber security it, it's uh, and then i thought my passion is around inclusion my passion at the time was around transgender awareness transgender inclusion obviously because of my own circumstances and doing the documentary that we've already mentioned i had this this kind of life passion so if i could change the world for one one person one family one employer, one employee, and and give them a better outcome than they would have wouldn't have had, or would have had without me, sort of thing. Then that was kind of my mission. So it's kind of what one turn one stone over, sort of thing. Uh, and I remember sitting in the audience of someone else's inspirational talk, 
And someone else, someone in the audience stood up and said to the lady presenting, fantastic, brilliant. How did you get into doing this kind of thing? How did you get into speaking and doing this? She said, uh, well, in all seriousness, you put it on your LinkedIn profile that you're a professional speaker and just go for it. <laughs> had it be that easy, you know, you know, without wishing to go overboard and quote Gandhi too much, you know, be the change you want to see. If you want so to be a professional true. speaker, be be the person you want to see. Uh, uh, and I sit there thinking, well, that's a bit pretentious. You know, what do I know? I've run an IT company for 20 years. Uh, I've not been an HR professional. I'm not CIPD qualified. I'm not an in inclusion. I've, I've got no no credentials here. So I thought, okay, I better start learning. I better start mixing with the people. So need to join need to join in with people who are in this in this business. So I joined an organisation called Toastmasters, which is a speaking club. That was to get me over my fear of meeting people in a business context, in a professional world, uh, in a social world, and standing up in front of people in a dress and speaking and feeling confidence. Uh, so that broke that duck. I now knew I could stand up in front of people and talk in a dress. And people took me seriously and they found me interesting and they found me funny. And I got this immense sense of belonging and, and feeling embraced by all these people. And I thought, oh, wow, I can do this. People like me. This is cool. Oh, that's wonderful. And what's interesting in what you've just said there, Joan, so sorry to interrupt you. A lot of people who will be listening, a lot of people uh, genuinely struggle with just the public speaking. But your angle there is speaking as you rather yeah. than the speaking deep, deep voice in a dress yeah. <laughs> yeah which is a whole different angle so you could just have, yeah absolutely amazing very very inspiring i must say so yeah. please continue it was. no no then i joined the professional speaking association which is a a body for professional speakers funny enough uh yeah, turning speaking into a profession so there's people from all over the world uh who are trainers mentors coaches online um podcasters every 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 different sort of person professional speaking so i started going on to those and and nobody nobody burnt me at the stake for being a witch or an imposter so i thought oh this is quite good and then i started going to networking functions in around portsmouth area where i live and uh i, I started doing these pitches you know i i said well i'm a diversity inclusion specialist I'm, i do this and this is so i was almost like being the person i wanted to be Asked and then being that person sort of thing. So yeah. I help people do this. I speak to people about this. People come to me when they want. So I, I put it in that active language. And as I'm talking about what I do, I became it. Uh, and what I then had to do was fight my imposter syndrome, which I'll talk a bit about in a minute, because I had, I've, I've had a lot of imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs all throughout this process. No matter how confident I may sound now, I still have this little paddling feet under the water that you can't see in this calm exterior of the swan on top of the water but yeah so i started i started talking about this people go oh wow that's interesting that's interesting and three or four years ago dni became a thing and trans awareness became a thing and people were aware of it the yeah the needle was moving very very slowly but it was becoming a thing that people were talking about so i kind of in the same way i got into computing in the mid 80s i kind of got into dni at the point where it became kind of became part of everyone's conversation Amazing. And, and uh, somehow I got into a, a NatWest Fast Start Entrepreneurial uh, Accelerator Scheme uh, in Portsmouth. And so I, that was really, really great for my mindset. So it talked about mindset. It talked about thinking like an entrepreneur, um, 
taking personal accountability, avoiding avoiding blame and taking responsibility. If, if I'm late for a meeting, it wasn't the train that was late. It was the fact that I could have got an earlier train. train. I could have done something yeah. to stop being late. So don't blame things around you. Blame, well, not take responsibility yourself. I, if I didn't want to be late, I could have caught an earlier train. I could have done, made other arrangements. It's my, I can be accountable for that action. So I learned, I learned a lot about accountability and not pushing blame onto others or other things, which was, I think that was a very, yeah, one of the key lessons. A fabulous mindset, actually, because it start, it instantly changes how you see things as well. Because you become accountable, therefore you're responsible. So you own that and you move forward and you, you, you don't look at anything around you as being problematic because actually I'm in control of what's going on. I could have changed that. No, you're quite right. Absolutely. And the message when, when, I, when, I, when I let, if I have to let somebody down for whatever reason, I can say, I'm sorry, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not unavoidable, because it, it is avoidable. Um, my priorities have changed, yeah, be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I've had to do, something else has come up, which I'm sorry is actually more important than you. I don't maybe not say it that way, <laughs> but, I, 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 but I'll be responsible for that and maintain their self-esteem and sort of say, look, I've got a fee-paying gig today. I'd love to help you, but, and they go, no, it's fee-paying. You, of course you've got to do that. I fully understand, which is, Often what it is, or I'm oh, sorry, a customer's asked me for something today. Could we do something tomorrow? If it's not okay, I'll go back to my customer. Most people will accommodate. So, but by not blaming somebody else, it's my fault. Then I feel I can own it, and uh, I can be more honest about it. I don't feel scared to be honest. I'm not worried about what you're going to say because I'm just telling the truth. I don't. If I if I'm lying, I've got to make stuff up. That's when I, I'm worried about what you're going to say to me. But if I'm telling my truth, I, I can't be worried because it's the truth. Absolutely. You may be upset, and I can handle you being upset or frustrated or disappointed, but I—that's I, I, because I'm—I've—I had to make a decision, and all I can do is, is live with that. Um, but yeah, so th that was kind of my 2017. It was kind of get, get into this entrepreneurial spark. It was kind of getting my mindset sorted, choosing my name, building building a business, coming up with a name, creating a website. So my IT background undoubtedly helped me because I, I did my own website. I knocked up my own logo and I, I, I created all this stuff. And because I'd run a business for 25 odd years, I understood a bit about marketing, a bit about sales, um, talking to customers. I, 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 I quickly fast-tracked social selling, LinkedIn, which I probably hadn't done much before. It's more face-to-face -face networking, more linked, uh, what do you call it, B&I and these breakfast clubs, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I did a few of those. I, I didn't find them very gratifying. I just found them kind of boring and stuffy. I, I think... It's really, really strange, actually. I think as in my male life, I found them a different experience. I saw them for what they were. A lot of male, sorry, men, if you listen to this, a lot of male <laughs> ego strutting, strutting around the room, what, um, having pissing competitions. Because yeah. you've got the, almost the benefit, if you like, in that sense. And obviously, there's a whole lot of hardship that you've had to go through to get there. But you can see both sides of the story. And I've been to similar networking scenarios and whatever. And it is a very interesting dy dynamic. It's becoming much more open now, I think. And there's much more diversity. But it, if you look in the early days, I mean, I'm from a construction and you know development background. Your expression's quite bang on. <laughs> what I found was uh, my experience as a woman was actually more satisfying in a way because I was having more meaningful conversations with other women. We were talking, we were collaborating, 
we were planning to do more stuff together and we were really interested in each other. Whereas male networking is, I, I, I found, and this is my experience, was more superficial, more competitive, um, more I am, big me type stuff. Whereas most of the, most of the female conversations I have, and I still have, are, are much about supporting each other. We all win together type conversations. Okay, there's some backbiting and stuff that goes on, but in, in the mostness, I find it a far more embracing and a far more collaborative and there's a lot more empathy and a lot more kind of caring about each other. And that's, and I just think, wow, this is, this is so powerful. And I, I just feel proud and privileged to be in, in this environment that I love. And it just feels so natural to me. I love that powerful conversation. You're entirely right, Joanne. It's, you're, you need to have female, you need to have women in the room because it does change the overall dynamic on a conversation, particularly on a business level, because there is that that showmanship you get with gentlemen, bless. And again, I've got loads of absolutely adorable male friends who will understand where I'm coming from because we've spoken about this at length before. But it really, you need the balance 100% because there's a different dynamic brought. And also individuals bring a different conversation to the table as well. And it's very relevant and very important. Um, can we? Just and have... obviously men need, to, men need to mansplain and, and they need to sort of feel that they're kind of in charge sometimes. It's nice to, to watch them, bless them, sort of... It's just really, really, really strange to suddenly have doors open for you and ba and bags carried upstairs and and coffee's got and drinks bought and uh, and people speak to you like you've lost fifteen points of IQ overnight and it's kind of it's a, it's a really really weird feeling to suddenly having had experiencing male privilege for most of my life have now experiencing female privilege. I think female privilege is. It's as good, if not better, than male privilege, but it's different for, as far as men are concerned. They, uh, just to experience that 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 shift in perspective of how people see you, that's amazing, and how you're treated, and it, and it is a real it's a real shift. And uh, and the conversations that I have now are just they're, they're so funny. So, so it's, it's, it's stuff we talk about. It's amazing now. Yeah, I love it. Brilliant. Can we jump back? Actually, I, this is such a marvelous story, and certainly with my journey that I'm going through at the moment as well, in terms of changing career. A lot of what you're saying resonates. It's about when you talked about pushing the button a moment ago, you were literally going to go into cyberspace or whatever the company was, <laughs> but the cyber, you know, in terms of oh, cyber, cyber security and That's yeah, it, cyber security you. or GDPR or something. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I've been in similar situations and I'm sure people will identify with this where you've, you're thinking, do I do this? Do I do that? But you don't do it. You're just hanging on. And then all of a sudden something else will happen and it's another door you can walk through and things tend to happen for a reason. And I, t I totally understand where you're coming from. But you also mentioned about having the imposter syndrome and the limited mm. beliefs. Can we talk a bit about that? Because again, I, you know, particularly when you're changing career, uh, and I wonder if a lot of people might look to do that now because of the the pandemic scenario we've gone through. Folk might have lost work, might have to reassess what they're doing. So I think there's going to be a lot of change for people. How does one and how did you, in this case, overcome limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome? And perhaps you still get them because I think we all do fall back into that sometimes. Yeah, I, I think... I think the important thing for me was to acknowledge I, I had these limited beliefs, imposter syndrome. I, I also acknowledge that I, I can procrastinate. I do procrastinate. Um, I can be indecisive and just saying I am. So what? 
Um, I know. Yes. Uh, and not not getting upset with myself because I, I am not sure today or I don't know or I've had a knockback or I feel inadequate. But I think what I have learned is through the networking I'm, I'm doing, through these conversations I have with people. You know, I talked to you about networking and, uh, and the feminine and the female group conversations are far more supportive and collaborative. People are more vulnerable and more, have a lot more empathy and share a lot more than they would in a male circle. And what I started to realize was that everyone's got that little voice in their head. Everyone's little voice says, I'm not good enough. Everyone's little voice says, I'm just faking it. I've heard, nobody catch me out, please. And you almost look, walk around looking at people thinking, well, they're just people. They're just like me. They've got their own anxieties. They've got their own shit to go through, if you like, yeah, in their life. Absolutely. Um, nobody's, nobody's perfect. And you suddenly start looking at it. And then uh, what I did at the beginning, I suppose, is I, I overcompensated for not having 25 years experience by doing a lot of research. I did some online. I did some Udemy. I did some uh, Coursera courses on inclusion, belonging, on various topics. Uh, I started reading a lot of blogs. I, I researched stuff. I, I tracked down with competitors. I, I spent days and days on their website. Then I started being very proactive on LinkedIn, um, just basically connecting to everybody. And with every connection, I'd say, hi, fancy a chat, hi, fancy a chat. So I was doing Zoom calls with people two or three years ago before Zoom was a, before Zoom was a word. I was flying up to London on the train meeting people for coffee. So I spent a day in London having coffees, five coffees in a day with five different people. Uh, I was blagging my way into conferences, speaking for free, um, getting myself involved with a circle of people who were quite influential in the recruiting and HR tech space. And yeah, this be the change you want to see. So it became self-fulfilling. I, I, this is a fantastic story. And I, don't, I have no idea if it's true. This person uh, wanted to learn to play the piano. And they could only afford one lesson. So what they did was they took the one lesson and then started selling piano courses to everybody else. So everybody would come along and all they would do is they'd, they'd sell the lesson they just had. And then they'd pay for their own next lesson. Then they'd pay for their own next lesson. So they'd, by the time they got to the end of 30 lessons, they were always one lesson ahead. So it's, it's kind of the old adage, isn't it? Wow. You, you've, only got to be one, you've only got to read one page more than the person you're teaching to know more than they do. So it's, it's kind of that... Use, use your knowledge incrementally and don't be afraid of what you've learned. Uh, so uh, that sounds a bit like it's cheating, but I, I spent a lot of time learning and researching. I mean, I, I don't know how many thousands, thousands of hours I spent in the last couple of years. I, I think I've done my degree in terms of, uh, in terms of talking. I, I guess blog with people and I had conversations, you know, chatting like this, webinars, webcasts. So I got immensely comfortable on camera, on microphone, being interviewed, talking on my feet having an opinion and when you get used to having an opinion and not being afraid to speak your mind you're not scared about your brain running away with you because you know the limitations and what your brain's capable of and where your where your boundaries are and you can develop this way of speaking so you don't sound like you're arrogantly right you're offering an opinion and this is my opinion and i'm open to be challenged and have a discussion about why your opinion is different and then people kind of like this sort of like this intellectual challenging conversation rather than I'm right listen to me type people so I, I get involved in more and more conversations and before I know it people are now putting me on a pedestal going oh Joe's a thought leader she's an expert she's um a leading this and it's like I just get looking around and go is that me uh, how's that happen so I'm now I'm now I'm now flying around the world 
uh, speaking at conferences in San Francisco. I was in Melbourne, Australia last year. I've been to Kiev, Israel, Amsterdam, Berlin, Lisbon, all over the UK. Uh, I can't remember where else I've been, Ireland. And I've got, I've got content on other people's platforms. I've podcasted with people all over the world. And suddenly I'm sought after by all these people and having this really great thought leadership opinion. I thought, well, I just make stuff up. I don't, <laughs> that sounds a bit flippant. I, I don't make stuff up. I, I crowdsource and I, I listen. I talk, to, I talk to hundreds of people and, and build a model in my head uh, around what I'm hearing. And if, I, if I'm not sure about something, I'll go and I actually sit in on sessions I have no interest in just to hear somebody else's opinion on something I don't know about and be curious all the time. But what, I've, what I found is that my imposter syndrome wouldn't go away. I just yeah. couldn't shake this off. And no matter what people said about me, I was looking at it going, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, yeah, I, was, I was in a room full of HRDs, HR professionals, uh, people, chief people officers. I thought... What, what do I know, you know? What am I uh, bringing to the I stand, table? Yeah. yeah, I stand on stage and I've got 600 rec recruiters uh, in Berlin and they all speak German. I think, what do I know about language and, and uh, terminology and, and inclusion in Germany? <laughs> I don't know, just kind of see what happens. I stand up and be me and see what happens. And uh, you get a standing ovation, you get, you get people hugging you afterwards and write stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay, well, that clearly worked. But I never, got, I never found myself losing my imposter syndrome it was always the case of every time i did it i thought i'm going to mess this up i'm going to burn and then i don't know what it was i i sat down and thought about it and i found the answer or my i found my answer and it was i was trying to outrun my shadow what had happened was my benchmark was me so you know you play computer games those racing car games where you have ghost mode and yes. you've always got, you're always chasing the ghost mode car around the track. And you, know, but you can only incrementally get better than the ghost car. And sometimes you're not as good as the ghost car because what you did last week was slightly better than this week. And what I realized was that my, my ghost mode, my shadow, was always on my shoulder. It's always with me. So no matter how much I got, all I ever saw was my echo. And I, what I then realized is because I don't work in a team, I don't work with anybody, most of my work is, is new. It's first time, different situations. I had no way of comparing how I was better than somebody next to me or I was improving. Even though the people around me said I was getting better, I didn't feel it. So that was when I realized that I was benchmarking myself against myself. And I needed to find a way of recognizing how I could look back three months or, or, or move my echo or shadow further back in time. And I could compare today with a year ago. Uh, and then I realized that I also realized that the imposter syndrome, the limiting beliefs was, was my trigger to know I was in stretch zone. So if I was in comfort zone, I didn't feel anything. But as soon as I was out of my comfort zone, I was in stretch. I never found panic. I never got to panic, but I, I got to stretch. So for me, whenever I feel this imposter syndrome, or I, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I can't do this, or I stand on stage, there's 600 people in the audience, I'm about to walk on stage, okay, I want to run away, I want to run away, I want to run away. It's, it's my kind of trigger to say to myself, right, you're going to do the bet, you're going to give all of you, everything you've got inside, you're going to give to the audience. And wh whatever happens, you know you've given everything. And you come off the stage, you're exhausted, absolutely drained, and you know you've given everything. And then that means you've been so authentic and you've really delivered. And I know that whatever happens, I couldn't have done more. And so that, that's, my, that's how I, I, I work now. It's, 
using the imposter syndrome as, as, a, as, a, as a springboard, to know it means I'm in stretch, and to try and benchmark myself against six months ago or a year ago or whenever, and listen to people when they say they value me. If people keep phoning me up and say they value me, I listen to them. You're, t- you're totally right. And I think that's, that's it in a nutshell, isn't it? It's about the authenticity that any one individual brings to the conversation or the, the speaking event or whatever it is. It's who you are, what you're bringing. And sometimes it is very difficult to, to look at yourself and realise that actually I've got a lot of value to bring to this conversation. Or, and that is why I am here. But it's, I mean, it's very inspiring listening to you, Joanne. I mean, it's such a wonderful incredible journey for a myriad of reasons I mean one of those things that you've done in the you know the past three years would be enough for any individual to put you know put it all together is quite quite something um and I imagine a lot of people will take a great deal of comfort from what you've gone through lots and huge amounts of learns and how they can maybe apply some things to themselves as well in the future because uh, we all need sometimes to listen to somebody speak or just to hear what somebody else has gone through for us to realise, do you know what, actually I'm okay there, or, or I've had that worry, or I've had that thought, and it is possible. Hmm. Your, your comment about LinkedIn and and the whole j- just, you know, believe you are, say you are, it's a lot, it's, for, it's wonderful yeah. coaching speech as well, but it's about positive affirmations, and you always yeah. have to go with what you aspire to be and talk about I am that person. I am a public speaker. I'm a motivational speaker. I am a great leader. I, you know, I can do this. And it just changes. You become that change to your, to your words. It's just, mm. it's ma- amazing. Amazing. There's many inspirational speakers and quotes out there. You know, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. So you've got to believe in yourself. So turn that around. I believe in myself. No one's going to love you until you can love yourself. I love my, I don't, not uh, sycophantically love myself, but I, I respect myself. I like myself. I'm a good person. And, and it's having those positive messages about your own identity. And I say, if you, go into, if you go into the world with a frown, people will frown back. If you go into the world with a smile, people will smile back. So you have the power to choose how people see you. And you have the power to, to, to influence how they react to you. So if you want people to react positively to you, be a positive person. If you want people to react negatively to you, then just be an arse. <laughs> people will act <laughs> negatively. Don't we'll give it back to you. I'm very conscious of the fact that we haven't actually spoken about your DNI work. So for anyone listening, where can they find that about you or, you know, even come and listen to you speak or do, uh, you've got a lovely website, as you said. I really like the I, by the way. I think it's fabulous. And it says exactly the C scenario in your um, well, well, smile, engage, educate. Wonderful. Where, where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, I'd, I'd love you to connect with me on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Joe Lockwood. Just search me on, on LinkedIn, jo, Joanne or Joe Lockwood. Uh, my website is uh, cchangehappen, which is s double e changehappen.co.uk. And on there, you'll, there's a, an intermediate or resources tab, and you can see all the videos, my YouTube channels, all the articles I've contributed in, and my bios on there. And if you want to watch the Channel 4 documentary, go to, go to Channel 4, search for The Making of Me. And in episode two, which is broadcast February 2019, you'll see my wife and I. And you'll experience some of the journey and uh, uh, the highs and the lows. I wouldn't say torment. The highs and the lows of, uh, of I often say, it's how I turn my, my wife into a lesbian on national TV. Because <laughs> before I transitioned, she, 
we were we both identified to it that the world is straight after I transitioned, but the world's confused and people can think she's a lesbian now. But so <laughs> make your own mind up. <laughs> Everybody's different and unique. That's where I'm at with all of this. It's you know Oh completely. Yeah, well, lab- labels are for baked beans, not for people. <laughs> oh for baked beans. I love that. Okay, let's close out the show. It's about seize the day. You've got incredible seize the day moments. What one bit of advice would you give a listener? Uh, they've listened to your story, but just for their own personal journey, how would you advise them to go out and seize the day? Or what would be your one bit of tip for them to do? Um, one bit of advice. I, 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 I try not to give advice. I, I say the things that are key that work for me most is around positive mindset and being accountable and believing in yourself. And then everything else kind of falls into place. And be nice. Be nice to people. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. Yes. Yes. Be nice. Kindness matters. Kindness is contagious. Kindness brings on those serotonin. Beautiful. Oh, and it and it transfers as well. Everyone feels good as a result as well. That is a marvellous way to end. Thank you so much for joining me. I've absolutely loved this. It's great. I, I loved, I'd love to talk to you. And hopefully when you close the podcast out in a minute, we can have another 10 minutes now to off. off. Off mic. Definitely. Really great. Definitely. Thank you. Really enjoy it. Thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Look after yourself. Keep well. You have been listening to Seize the Day with Natalie Millersnell. All contact information can be found in the show notes, together with any links to websites I may have referred to in the show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please pop over to seize the day.com or seize the day.simplecast.com where you'll find my other shows. Thank you, thank you, thank you.